Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. On 1116 SEN, this is the Flag Flyers for the American-Australian Association devoted to strengthening relations between the United States and Australia. Hello everyone and welcome to the Flag Flyers, the place where we profile and chat about all the Aussies flying the flag for us in the US of A. I'm Christopher Tyler and alongside me is Lockie Miller who's been watching a lot of college football I can only assume this weekend. Lockie, because you've, you've just got Foxtel. And I can only assume that you've spent the entire weekend since Friday watching college football. Is that right? I haven't showered, haven't eaten, <laughs> haven't slept. Uh, no, we're underway. And this is the next three, three four months uh, is going to be uh, a dirty, uh, sleep-deprived, hungry sort of existence. But uh, no, it's exciting. Well, I'm going to be tired and hungry and all that sort of stuff with you as well because I'm going to be watching as much as possible. We've got a big show coming up today. Like we said last week... This show's now only half an hour. We've, com- we've uh, condensed everything into half an hour, but we are starting our new college show this week. It was supposed to be last week, but after we recorded this show, you went home sick, Lockie. So we had no college show last week. So we are starting it this week. So we're going to be chatting about all the latest college football news as well as news from all around the different sports as well. So that'll be starting today as well. So make sure you do keep a lookout for the, uh, the college show, which we're calling College Nation. I like your enthusiasm. Yeah. But we do have a big show coming up on the Flag Flyers. We're going to be chatting to Olga Ulick about the latest news from uh, the world of high school basketball and where our latest prospects are heading uh, basketball-wise. We've got uh, Dan Guck heading over to the States, so we'll find out from Olga where he's heading. We're also going to be chatting to Richie Garraway because the biggest story of the week from a, an Australian over in the States perspective is the fact that Jared Hayne has made the final roster for the 49ers. So we're going to be chatting to Richie about that as well as all the other Aussies and if they've, uh, they've made their roster or they got cut. We'll uh, speak to Richie about that. So let's get into it. Joining us first up on Rounding the Bases today is Olgan Ulick from pickandroll.com.au, mate. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Now, the biggest news of the week is the fact that uh, Dan Gak will attend Blair Academy in New Jersey. Can you let us know about this? Yeah, he's, um, this has been uh, in the works for, for quite some time now. Blair has been in contact with Deng um, for the last couple of years, actually. Um, uh, Deng's 6'11". He was at the Basketball Australia Centre of Excellence. Uh, he's part of the Australian Under-19 team. He's an elite centre class of 2017, and he's yeah, heading over to New Jersey. So how did he first come in contact with the coaches at uh, Blair Academy? Well, the, the coach at Blair Academy, uh, Joe Mantena, uh, comes down to Melbourne quite often for the uh, South Sudanese uh, Australian Classic. The, the tournament that's held down here um, goes around the country as well, and he got in touch with Deng and also Luol Deng, uh, NBA player, is, uh, good friends with Deng as well after seeing him at that tournament. So... Just from then on, a couple of years ago, they kind of kept in contact, exchanged uh, kind of messages back and forth over that time, and it was kind of always in the works. How big of a program is uh, Blair Academy? Uh, it's, it's, it's a big program. Um, it's off the, it's about an hour away from New York City, um, so, so it is situated quite well kind of in the United States. Um, they've produced a couple of NBA players, uh, Luol Deng, uh, Charlie Villanueva, Royal Ivy, um, so, so they're a very good program, um, and it'll really help with uh, Deng's development as well. Beautiful. Olga, thank you so much for joining us on the Flag Flyers today, mate. 
Thanks, mate. And finishing us off on rounding the bases this afternoon is Richie Garraway from the SEN NFL podcast. Mate, welcome to the show. G'day, guys. How you doing? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Now, the final roster cuts for the NFL uh, took place over the weekend. We've got a couple of uh, good news stories for the Aussies, a couple of bad news stories. We'll start off with the Hayne plane, Jared Hayne. But but he he's made the list. A lot of people uh, doubted him early on, but he's actually made the final roster. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's fantastic for himself, and obviously for the the game in Australia, it's going to receive a lot more uh, coverage than it has in the past. Um, I was one of those people who said, "Look, I think he would really struggle to make that final fifty three, and would probably end up on a practice squad." But to his credit, he had a good preseason, built a bit of hype around him, and he made that fifty three. Here's the thing, and this this is what sort of you know get, um, getting my gripe at the moment is that you know all these people from the very start. I, I myself was a doubter too. When when Hayne said he's going to do it, I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I really hope he makes it. Like honestly, like I really do. But come on, like the in people that actually follow the sport and actually understand you know how complicated these playbooks are and how competitive and how fast and all these sorts of things go. Like the odds of him making that 53 man roster. I think from a realist perspective, we're like, man, you've got some serious work in front of you. And I think that all these people that are now coming out and saying, look, I never doubted Hayne. I always thought he could do it, blah, 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 blah. Hated this, hated that. Aren't actually people that actually understand how tough the NFL is. So whilst I doubted Hayne to start with, I was always wanted him to succeed. But like the reality is what he's done is not necessarily what everyone thought he would do um, or what thought would be possible because what he's done is absolutely exceptional. Yeah, and lucky, I'd agree. I was the same. Look, in all honesty, I still don't think he runs the ball very well. He's still way too high. His pass protection is still really bad. But he does two things well. He's clearly shown he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He does that well. And he's a solid punt returner. He's able to make people miss in space, which is what he's used to doing. Running between the tackles with blockers and having to read blocks, he's never done that before. And he still doesn't do it particularly well. His two big, long runs were through gaping chasms. Those holes were so big. And his O-line done a great job opening those up for him. And to his credit, he saw it and hit it. Unlike Darren McFadden, who couldn't find a gap if his life depended on it. <laughs> so I got, you know, anyway, so I think he's done exceptionally well. I'm, I'm a bit like you. I just hate the way it's reported. Now, I've had a lot of people throw stones at me this week because I said he probably wouldn't make it. Like, you know, how does that taste? I'm like, I'm stoked for the guy. Absolutely. Um, I hope Fox Sports Australia start reporting correctly um, or with a little bit of uh, slowing down because as much as he's made the 53, only 46 dress each week. Yeah. And he's a bit of a specialist. He can only do one thing for you at the moment. And that's so the thing. Yeah, and that's he the thing. He might not be active in those first few games. I just want, yeah, and that's the thing, like, I just can't stress enough is that from the very start, I mean, like, I was, like, completely behind Jared Hayne in terms of, you know, you know, I, I'd love to see him on the roster. But from a realistic standpoint, I mean, we've had so many people try and, you know, make the make the NFL before. It is so hard. Like, it's honestly probably one of the hardest sports leagues to crack, especially as a foreigner. So, But he's become that cult figure now. And obviously yeah. everyone over in the States has gotten... Uh, has jumped on board and they're all buying his jerseys and all that sort of stuff. They've sold out of his jerseys at the uh, 49ers store. So he's become this, this uh, his own brand essentially and that's why they kind of, I guess, would have skewed them to keep him because he's kind of valuable for him from a marketing perspective as well. At the end of the day, though, they would have. I mean, that would only be a fraction of a decision. Uh, but if you if you're choosing between Hayne and someone else who's 
yeah, if, if if you're tossing up between those two, then it makes sense to go with Hayne because of the fact that he is a cult figure and and he's selling jerseys and you're going to grow the game overseas. Uh, yeah, that I, sort no, of stuff. I, I, uh, I I really don't think so, Chris. I can't agree with that. The NFL is about winning, and and nothing else. If you're the coaching staff and the GM comes down and says, "Oh, look, the owner really wants to keep Hayne because he sells an extra sixty jerseys." It, it's small potatoes, mate. You know that league's all about the TV money. So you don't think if, if he had as much, um, I guess, identity within both the uh, the American media from what he's been doing and both from the Australian media, you, you still think he would have made it based purely on his ability? I think he would have made it. I think he showed right. enough. He showed enough. Yeah, selling an extra 50 jerseys, they don't care. It's split revenue anyway. You know, it, that's how the NFL model works. He could sell a million jerseys through the NFL store and it's going to get split 32 ways and every owner's going to get their share. Um, so it's... I don't think that's got a whole lot to do with it. Look, I'm stoked for the guy. I hope it works because the better he does, the more coverage we get of the game here and that's all positive. Well, the brilliant thing is now, because of Jared Haynes, seven are now showing games on Monday morning, so that's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I think I saw they're planning on moving it off the digital channel and onto the the normal network. That could be good as well. Moving on, we also, while uh, Jared Hayne made the uh, the final list, David Yankee was one of the unfortunate ones who actually got cut. Can you let us know about that? It was a little surprising to me. Um, the Vikings have had a lot of injuries on their O-line during camp, and David played a lot of different positions. I think in each practice match, he played a different position. He did some... He's a guard by trade. He played both right and left guard in the preseason, and he played both right and left tackle at different times in the preseason as well. I thought that was going to be a positive to him, and he was going to be a bit of that Swiss Army knife kind of guy, and he could play multiple positions. Um, But unfortunately, I guess the Vikings didn't see it that way. I saw a really bad stat by Pro Football Focus um, who said he was the worst, or sorry, the second worst performing offensive lineman in the entire NFL in the preseason. That's pretty damning because uh, a lot of linemen would have played in the preseason. So I'm sure that didn't help his cause. Um, but I guess he just, just didn't do enough um, to show them that he could be an everyday player. He had an awful showing against Tennessee in the last um, in the last preseason game. and like He came in last year. He was sort of a bit behind the eight ball from the very start. Coming from Stanford, coming from the Pac-12 where they have the quarter system, he actually didn't get to come onto the Vikings uh, uh, camps and stuff until once he was graduated, and that took more time out of him than what a normal school that uses the uh, semester system uses. So, um, you know, he was a bit behind the eight ball from the very start and didn't obviously suit up at all last year. And, um, yeah, he was active for one game last year. Oh, was it one game, was it? Yeah, yeah. He, got, he got one late in the year, week 16 or 15, something like that. But he's still, he's still a chance to get on the practice squad. Um, but uh, for me, who's a, who, who is a Vikings fan, um, I'd love to love to have him on. But at the end of the day, yeah, he's, um, uh, his performance hasn't warranted it yet. Yeah, I'd be really surprised if he didn't get a practice squad somewhere. Coming out of college, he was an outstanding guard for Stanford. He really was, and they run the ball a lot. They are a power running team. Um, yeah, he was there, obviously, when Andrew Luck for a couple of years, um, and then the QB after that. They run the football a lot, and he showed himself as a good run blocker. Um, if he'd declared early, I think he would have got drafted even higher, and then hence they would have had more patience with him. Because they took him lower in the rounds after he went back for his senior year, that dropped him away a little bit. 
You know, he didn't have as good a, a final year when he was at college, and that's hurt him a bit. I think he'll still get a roster spot on somebody's practice squad somewhere. Now, while Tom Hornsey got dropped from the Cowboys last week, Jordan Berry has been given uh, a chance to uh, to suit up for the Pittsburgh Steelers, being given uh, a spot in the final uh, roster as well. That's good news for Jordy. Absolutely fantastic. I could not be happier for Jordan. Um, I've been lucky enough. I coached him when he was a really young fella on the Australia, on the Victorian team at the junior national titles. And he is a great kid. Um, he had an outstanding third preseason, really showed his uh, flexibility in what he can do. And I think it's great news for Jordan. Yeah, and I think this is the um, the, the part which I think is slowly turning in the last week is that um, the mainstream media uh, is, is actually giving Jordan a little bit of more coverage now that he's actually made the team, um, which which is uh, which is great. Um, I would still say, though, um, there are some serious questionable people out there on social media that basically are discounting in the comments section Jordan's achievement because he is a punter. Uh, and things like that, and basically saying that it's not the same achievement that Hayne um, Hayne has done. So, look, I think it's great that people are um, starting to give uh, coverage to Jordo. We've had Jordo on the show a couple times, and um, yeah, outstanding guy. And um, you know, we we, uh, we can't wait to see him uh, um, really show his wares finally in the NFL. Yeah, I'm absolutely stoked for him. And people who say, oh, you know, it's it, there's one punter on every team. There's 32 of them. That's 32 jobs. Whereas, let's take running backs for example. There's four five on every team. Yeah. I mean, there's more available. Anyone who discounts Jordan's achievement, and that's what it is, um, they, they just show how, how ignorant they are and they know what they're talking about. Absolutely. Now, because Jordan got the nod, it meant that uh, Brad Wing got cut from the uh, the Steelers, but in the end, he did get picked up by the Giants. There's some more good news for his fans. Yeah, I think he was actually traded. Yeah, traded. Oh, right. Traded. Um, Late round so, pick. Yeah, just you know, one of those throwaway picks that we'll all get six of every year when you get your supplementary extra draft picks thrown at you. But it's fantastic news because I always thought uh, Barry was going to struggle to beat out Wing because of the incumbent, and that's the same problem um, Tom Hornsey had at the Cowboys. But this trade, it actually makes a lot of sense for the Giants. Weatherford has been in the league a long time. He's probably the most well-known punter in the league, and they basically just parted ways with him to save $2.2 million. That's really all they were doing. That's what Weatherford was being paid. They knew how good um, Wing was, and it, and they would have been seeing how good Jordan was punting. It wouldn't have surprised me if when the Giants rang to talk about that trade, they said, which one are you keeping? We will trade for the other one. Yeah, absolutely, and that's been on the cards. Oh, not been on the cards, but I think that's what's been, uh, I suppose, the expectation for a while is the one that misses out. They'll land somewhere else because that competition that Barry and Wing have had has been very high level. Um, the thing I'd say about um, the, what the Giants have done cutting weather, um, cutting weather for the money is that what I personally believe, and given having spoken to a couple of people, what the Cowboys should have done with Hornsey and Chris Jones. Jones had a contract too, um, uh, which uh, was a substantial money where they could have actually cut that um, cut that contract or cut that money and got Hornsey, who's just as good um, for, for, for a nothing contract. But the thing that sort of, not worries me, but the thing that interests me about Wing, given that he came from LSU and had those sorts of, I know, experiences and, and notoriety at a big program. Now he's going into New York. I mean, God, like, that's going to be interesting with, uh, you know, um, you know, being a, a massive market team and things like that. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts there. Yeah, and, and Coughlin suffers no fools. 
Oh, you know, hell no. Let's, let's not care. Not that um, the Steelers organisation does, because that's a great organisation. But I think in the last year or so, I think Wing probably has had his head screwed on pretty straight. Um, you know, having a, a young one running around his feet these days has probably grounded him a little bit. I don't know personally. I don't know Brad Wing. Um, but I think those things probably helped his career. And being in New York, look, it's a big media town, but at the end of the day, you're still the punter. Um, so if he just does his job week in, week in, week, in, week out, he'll probably be there for a number of years performing the tasks for them. And just one last one before we finish up, Richie. Uh, Jesse Williams has been placed on their PUP list. Can you kind of let us know what's going on there? Uh, it's the physically unable to perform list. I presume they've placed him on that, and I don't know for sure because they haven't. I haven't seen a press release from them about it. But I would imagine they want to retain his right because when he was at Alabama, when he was fit, he was awesome. Unfortunately, his first two years in the NFL, he had knee-ending, knee uh, sorry, season-ending knee injuries uh, that ended him up on the IR two years in a row. Earlier in the year, he was unfortunately diagnosed um, with cancer, had a kidney removed. I would imagine that maybe his recovery is just going a little slower than they'd expected. They gave him a bit of a go in the preseason. He played a few games, um, and they just didn't want to let his rights go. They've got that slot for the PUP. Give him the chance to recover, continue any treatment he might have to continue having, and with any luck, he can come back next year. He's got a huge mountain to climb. Now, you know, with those sorts of health concerns, staying football fit and breaking into the NFL um, will probably be hard for him. But I wish Jess. Jess is a great, great guy. He, just have a look at his social media and the things he does. Um, I've got a hell of a lot of time for him, and I really hope to see him in the NFL soon. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Richie, thanks for joining us for an extended chat on uh, running the bases today. What's coming up on the SEN NFL podcast this week? Uh, it's prediction week. Uh, season starting this uh, Friday, our time with uh, Tom Brady there who survived his uh, survived his appeal. So we'll be looking at uh, divisions and Super Bowl winners and all that sort of thing. Uh, who might the MVP be? All those sorts of things, and give our predictions for the season. I feel like your co-host Matt McKay is going to be pretty happy about that Brady news as well. Mate, he hasn't stopped sending <laughs> me messages since it came down. <laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you next week. Sorry, guys. Have a good one. Now, last week, four of the boys from Eastern Washington University joined Damien Arsenis from pickandroll.com.au and myself in the studio. Unfortunately, the chat was so long that we had to uh, cut it into segments, so we played the first 10 minutes last week. We're going to be playing the next 10 minutes this week, and we're going to be playing the last 10 minutes next week. So it's over a three-week period. Lockie was not in because he was sick. So it's just me, Damien, and the four Aussie boys in studio, which is a terrific chat. So let's pick it up from where we left off last week. So when do you guys actually head back to school? Um, I'm heading. I'm heading back down on uh, September 20th, um, and the rest of the boys are getting there a, a week early. Um, so no, we'll be we'll we'll be back at it. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm getting some uh, ugly looks just because. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are I we think getting I'm there missing... a week on time? Ah, uh, yeah, week yeah. Okay, away? here it comes. So, <laughs> so we've, we've got this thing called Hell Week um, <laughs> leading up to season, and very conveniently, um, I'm managing to miss. Partially, some of that. Um, but, oh, no, I mean, it feels terrible. I wish I could be there with the boys for that one. Um, yeah, very, very disappointed about that. I'll hold the fort for you there, Vink. <laughs> so, obviously, Vink, you're heading into your senior season this year. 
Um, obviously, you, you've had a, a terrific run throughout your career so far, and you've played with a lot of Aussie guys, boys, especially Felix as well. You've played with him for a number of years as well. Does this does it make this season a whole lot more important uh, because it's going to be the last time that uh, you guys are going to be playing together? Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, especially when I came in. That first year is always the most difficult just mentally everything yeah. when you come away from home and having I think me and Venky had a good relationship and as well with uh, Daniel Hill had a great relationship with the Australian guys because you naturally go towards them Yep, because there's a familiar face in it and I think Venky really helped me a lot my first year just with a lot of maturity stuff and stuff like that so it's yeah it is, it is going to be sad especially well, it's going to be it's going to be a great year sort of playing the last time but it will definitely be a different feel because the only Eastern Washington I know is the one with these other sort of Venky and Daniel Hill it's the only sort of that's how I've come to it. So, it, it, yeah, it is going to be – it does add a lot of motivation to send it out on a really high note. Yeah, so, Venky, is it a bit of a changing of the guard this year as well? Because I guess we, you've lost Tyler Harvey. He's mm-hmm. left early and after a great season, and you two really formed a dynamic duo last season. And I guess there's a lot of incoming freshmen, new faces like Jeremy and, and yeah, Michael yeah, joining yeah. the team. So what does that do for the team? And I guess what do we look out for next season? So, um, I think I – think, uh, this this year it's it's going to be really interesting. I, mean, I think um, <clears throat> last year we were pretty unconventional just because you know um, obviously it was super super high pace. Um, we got a lot of national recognition because of that because you know it was such an explosive offensive game with the amount of threes that we took, with you know um, kind of the way that we pushed the pace. Um, and your thirty eight point back to back game. Oh, well, <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> but, oh, and Indiana thrown in that was pretty good too. Oh mate, there were so many moments last season that I I just look back on it, it was just so surreal. You know, um, especially when we when we won that Big Sky Championship. Um, I mean, Felix will be the next to tell you that. Like I, I think I kept on shaking my head saying this is just too much, this is un- unreal, because, you know, you only dream of those moments where it's like a movie scene, you're down by this much in the final of finals, and uh, you come back at the very last second to grab the wing- win, and then, you know, fireworks are happening inside the stadium, confetti falling down, and, you know, thousands of people leaving, shaking their heads because, you you know, you overcome that situation, and, you know, the rest of your fans are just storming the court with you. I mean, it's just unbelievable feeling so what was the best crowd that you guys have played in front of indiana that was if the best we, one if we include the last i think it was georgetown yeah. in the georgetown tournament was, game yeah though i think that was around 20,000 19,000 20,000 yeah. i think so, so i think it's i mean it's weird cuz i've played in um during my uh, collegiate career i've played in four nba gyms um and i'd i'd still have to say you know capacity wise indiana wasn't uh as as uh, much, but definitely like not just because it was you know such a historic building, but just even the setup of it. I think a lot of the college gyms, um, you know, they're designed in such a way, and especially with you know how much for like raucous crowd you tend to get over there. Um, a lot, you know, I don't know. The atmosphere, I suppose, was probably better, probably better than the the NBA ones. But oh man, uh, you know, having so many people cheering for us for that Georgetown one. Uh, when you start to not even be able to hear your own thoughts in your head, I mean, it just becomes such an electrifying. You know, for some that's a positive. Some, that's <laughs> yeah. Usually, yeah, that usually helps us. Is that what you play for, though? Really, and it comes down to you're playing for those kind of games, for that kind of experience. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think first and foremost, we just play for you know our brotherhoods. That's you know you spend countless hours, you know, on the floor and off the floor together with a with a group of guys that you you know sweat and tears. You know, just so much poured into it, so much energy um, that I think. Those bonds are the main reason, you know, why you want to win so desperately besides all the competitive edge that, you know, you guys have. 
So what did you find the biggest difference between, because you mentioned that the two biggest games would have been Indiana mm-hmm. and Georgetown. What was the, the predominant difference between the two games, both either in the way that uh, the opposition played or, or the crowd? What was the biggest difference to you? Um, style of play, definitely. Georgetown, big bangers, you know, uh, I think in the Big East, they're just known for being, you know, uh, rebounders, like crazy, um, you know, Indiana was almost like, um, it was almost like us, they uh, had a ton of three-point shooters and um, also liked to pick the pace up, so, um, you know, it was unfortunate that we couldn't, you know, impose our will on, on Georgetown with some of, you know, the fast-paced uh, action that we do, we certainly did against Indiana, and that, you know, um, was, you know, pretty, pretty fun. Um, but Georgetown, yeah, it was, I mean, it was tough. It was tough yeah. to lose. <laughs> you know, it always is, but bigger But you'd rather like be that. there and then lose and not be there at all, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. And look, I'm going to look at you now again, Jeremy, because to a degree, you, you guys had a fairy tale season at Albany last season and, you know, it doesn't get much bigger than Peter Hooley's shot either. Oh, how, how was that? Like, oh, I mean, that was, that was insane. Um, sitting there just... Thoughts and prayers go out to Pete. He's one of my, he's one of my close friends now. After what we went through last year, and just to see him do that and see how happy he was, and there was a moment after the game, no one saw it. I don't know if you want me. I won't say, it, but he was just there by himself. I'm going to go into the details, but he was there by himself, and you could just see him truly reflecting on everything, and just moment was just incredible, absolutely amazing. So we heard Venky talk about the experience, the crowd rushing, and everything, but and and no offense to Eastern Washington and your your achievements last season, but. That that game, that shot by Pete really drew national attention, and to have an Australian on ESPN and all that that followed is it, to, it was a big for, deal for most of us Australians. That's surreal. That just doesn't happen every day. So, and, and you you were part of it. So, really trying to get an understanding of what that means for you as a player and, a, and an Australian playing in a team that made that success. Yeah, I mean, you dream about being on teams that that win, but then to win on a shot like that off a tip out, and if you watch the full play. If you watch the play before it, Sam Rowley mm. takes, I think, his first three for the season trying to win the game. And then another guy on our team, Ray, comes in, bricks the lap. And the other team's best player tips it out to Pete, who's just standing there and just hits that shot. And just to go through that and see the crowd rush, uh, the gym was over capacity by, a th- I think, a 1,000 people. And all of them were on the court for at least another hour afterwards, high-fiving, congratulating. The student body was there, the band... It, it's like it's surreal. You can't you can't get that anywhere else in the world, but in March Madness. Now, look, every time I see any footage associated with it, I get the hairs up the back of my neck. It was just one of those moments that, you know, whether you're a fan, you like basketball or not, you, that's just one of those moments you just live and you live in the moment, and it just it, it stays with you forever. So, from my perspective, I look back on that and I look at last year's finals as being the shot, and hopefully this year's finals is all about EW, EWU. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. So obviously the new boys, Michael and Jeremy, what are you boys looking forward to the most out of uh, this season? Was there anything specifically, any, any certain matchup or, or anything about uh, the game style that you're really looking forward to? Was it just playing with these boys next year? Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a big big thing for me was just being able to being around these, these couple of these guys that I know um, I've wanted to play with them for so many years. Um, but coming into, into a team that's got a, such a, a, big, a big season last year, I mean, I kind of want to feel what they felt last year, um, seeing seeing the games that they came from, um, like the Montana game that they came back and uh, won the championship game on. Just seeing things like that and seeing the Indiana game, 
all these like Georgetown, the kind of games that everyone knows about. They're just the things that I want to I want to uh, live through and experience myself. So that was a big thing for me coming into into Eastern. I just want to, you know, take something out out of my college career, especially with these boys that I that I know from um from my career. So just on that, um, Eagles fans haven't seen you before. They haven't seen you. They don't really know what you're going to bring to the table. So what do you reckon you'll add this year? I mean, I kind of want to just come in and play my role at the moment. Um, my my first year especially, there's going to be a lot of guys in front of me, but I know that um, I want to get my foot in the door and kind of be ready for when I need to step up. And if Hayford needs me to play this year, then I'm, I know I want to be ready and step up. So if you get the chance to step on the court and play... What can we expect from you? What are you going to deliver? I mean, I'm Come just going to... Come on, talk yourself up here. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to see any down-the-lane dunks on anyone at all. You just, I don't know, I just kind of, as I said before, just going to play my role and, um, you know, just find find the guys I need to find. Being a point guard, I need to get into the lane and, and find find guys for threes or dropping off to Venky for, for a nice little dunk or something. You know, I just need to come in, play, do my thing and... and you know, not 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 turn the ball over is a, is a main thing that Hayford wants me to do. That wraps us up for another edition of the Flag Flies today. Chris Tyler and Lockie Miller. Remember, you can catch our new college podcast, College Nation, on the SEN Audio Boom page as well. So make sure you uh, hit that up. And you can find all the SEN America podcasts there, including the SEN MLB podcast, which we upload every Saturday, and the SEN NFL podcast, which we upload every Wednesday. So make sure you check us out. Coming up next, Lucky and I's new show, College Nation.